All right, folks. Hey, it's Luke, the Strip Club DJ. Welcome to another episode of One Two Review. I'm here with my buddies, Brandon. Hey, I'm Brandon. And Alex. Hello, I'm Alex. We review movies on a scale of one to two. One if we didn't like it. Two if we did like it. We rate movies until we get to 20 points, and then we call it a day. All right, hit the intro. What's going on, boys? Nothing much. Nice to be here. Happy to be uh, recording. We're doing a little bit of an early morning session for us. It's kind of nice. Right on. Yeah, it's good. Uh, sh- shall we get right to it? We should. Yeah, let's do it. These people came for movies. Let's give them some movies to review. Well, let's give them some movies to watch that we reviewed. Here we go. So the first film that we saw this week is a film called Simon Says. This is a 2017 film directed by Zach Paulson. This is basically about a a film where a man named Simon starts to kind of be controlled by his dog. I'd say, uh, I'm not sure. This film has elements of comedy. Uh, The first half for sure is very funny, and then it gets a little scarier towards the end. It kind of jumps between lots of genres. Do you guys have any initial thoughts about Simon Says? Yeah, I definitely had a great time watching this. And like you said, I love how the movie develops and starts out a little lighthearted and it gets more and more serious. The stakes get higher and higher between Simon and his dog. Um, it starts out just kind of a normal, everyday American story. A man who's an ad exec goes to work, handles his business, gets home, feeds his dog, watches a little TV, and that's his day. But things start to fly out of control as his dog gains these powers to control him. And it starts out, like I said, pretty funny. He's just getting um, up and for no reason putting dog bones around on the kitchen floor, opening the door, you know, letting cats into the house. And, and it gets, there's a scene where a cat gets chased around the house and that's pretty wild. And then it starts to get a little bit darker uh, towards the end of the movie. But uh, that very opening, those opening scenes are a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you had a a chance to see this, right, Brandon? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I love the tone of this movie, as you guys have mentioned, the way it's, you know, starts off lighthearted. You get off going on one foot. Pretty soon, about two-thirds away into the film, you get on to the other foot here. I enjoyed it, though. Um, I will say I definitely thought this movie was better than I was expecting. by the end, I was definitely on the edge of my seat. Yeah, definitely. It's and it does it does all of the genres really. I don't know, gracefully. I suppose like like we said, the beginning is is quite humorous, and then when it switches gears, I think oftentimes a film can be in a genre, switch gears, and it feels unearned in some way, and it feels hacky to kind of switch just the tone of your film dramatically. But some films can pull it off, and I believe Simon Says really does. Like we said, the beginning's uh, comedic. He has he doesn't even realize he's doing it. He's forgetting. He doesn't. He wakes up and suddenly uh, there's a moment when he has built this doghouse in the backyard and he doesn't remember why. He doesn't remember going to the store. All that stuff. And that stuff's kind of funny. Uh, but then he starts to be able to. He's present during it. The dog gets more powerful. Starts controlling him. He's kind of trapped in there. It's a little sleep paralysis ish, and it gets quite frightening. And again, somehow it, it works. It earns it, and it, it is frightening. Yeah, the whole time I felt Zach Paulson did an amazing job, and I you know almost by moment two, b2 of the film i felt i could trust him and i was in good hands and i was and and i would say something that's that's great about this film there is actually quite a bit of cg and and i didn't notice it i'm i'm a big guy uh a big i don't know not advocate the opposite i I do not like cg i think it really pulls me out of films 
And it's unfortunate. It makes sense that you can't have live animals in your films anymore. There's there's so many ways that they're mistreated. I understand that. Um, so it's been a, a bummer for me kind of to see so many CG animals coming into our films for my own personal pleasure. But this film does a great job about putting that CG in there. And the dog looks believable in the whole film. And I think sometimes it is a real dog, but, but a lot of times it's CG. But I really couldn't catch it. So uh, I give points to that for sure. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, spoiler. Simon flies out of control. Well, or is it Simon or is it Simon loses control of his body and mind near the end of the movie and he's acting like a total dog, which made me think how good it is that in the man and canine relationship in the world, it's a good thing that we're in control because if dogs had their way, it would be a lot more violent of a place. There's a scene where Simon is forced to go to a chicken farm and start collecting chickens in uh, really gruesome ways for for Zoe and and her uh, and her dog companions. And uh, I don't know I don't know how they shot it, but it looked so real the way he was getting chicken blood everywhere and was biting those chickens and gathering them in his hands and with his toes, you know, running around on all fours. That was really a wild scene and uh, really scared the crap out of me. Yeah, the CG was done by a company called Conix, uh, C-O-N-I-X. Um, they're pretty new. They're an offshoot of Weta, the, the group that did uh, Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. So Conix is, yeah, they're incredible. Their work was amazing in this film. Yeah, they sort of broke onto the tech scene with their feather technology. Um, they were one of the first CG companies to really perfect the feather on computer screens, so... Uh, definitely made a lot of sense for the, those chicken scenes. Yeah, interestingly enough, it's not even about the feather, but it's about the wind and simulating the wind that carries the feather. I did a little research on that short film that they won a bunch of awards for. That was the technical achievement. The feather itself was, well, rather good looking. The wind that was underneath the feather well, was truly a technical achievement. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. We should actually review that movie, um, Gump's Feather, where they took the feather that flies off in the beginning scene of Forrest Gump and they actually follow it and do a little short film on the feathers journey. So that's that's what really broke them out of the scene and we should actually review that movie sometime in the I'd future. I'd like to see it. I haven't seen that. We'll add it yeah, to the Google Doc. Too. Uh, so what, are you guys ready to review this thing? Sure. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, I'll go first. I, I would say uh, Zach Paulson did an excellent job directing Simon Says, and I'm going to give it a two. Like I said, I think it, uh, you know, I can't say, I, I'd just be rehashing. It does genres really well, and it's an engaging film, so a two. Yeah, for me, Simon Says earns a two as well. Really well-made cross-genre, and I think perfectly on time for Halloween, too, entering the scarier time of the year and i needed a little spook but i don't you know i'm not a big fan of horror so i didn't want to get too scared so this was perfect for that i give it a two yeah i'm gonna be rounding the same corner we're on the same voyage two points for me enjoyable film wasn't expecting to like it as much as i did but uh, as you said perfectly in line with halloween so definitely go see this two points all right that's six points for Simon Says. Six uh, The way we're going to keep score this week is fun. Luke, do you want to go into it, or should I? Brandon? Okay, so this week we're blowing up a balloon. Back to basics. Six points. Here we go.
Wow, that sounds right, tense. Think, like, how big you, is that you already? You have to blow it so fast, you're going to get lightheaded. It's not six quick blows. It's, but, but you do you. It is you know for me. Doing. Yeah, it is for me. You're six the scorekeeper. I'm a, yeah, I'm quicker at it. My, my question is, is 20 blows too many? How, how many points can we fit in this balloon realistically we're gonna find out i think i think a balloon takes a lot more blows than 20 so i think we're gonna be fine how much air are you putting in is it like the fist size right now where are we at right now i'm putting in the medium amount i'm putting in a lungful i'm not going full blow but i'm not i'm not like being a chicken about it either okay cool excited all right excited to see how this balloon goes all right well in that case it's time for a sponsor kick it Daniel Faber is in step with not only the students, but the faculty of Dutch Callaway High School in Madison, South Dakota. Daniel has been playing on both soccer teams and has even dabbled in musical theater with his performance as Ratty Lamont in Miss Anderson's production of West Side Story last September. Daniel applied himself and achieved a regional Doth Gilbert Award for his science project, How Ears Grow, and his essay, Which Person Knows Me, was featured in the third annual Peabody Student Showcase. Dutch Callaway High is a diverse community, and a vote for Faber is a vote for a leader that not only embraces, celebrates that diversity vote Faber this Tuesday okay I'm really glad we opened our ads up to anybody just a reminder to everybody if you need a little bit of sponsoring shoot us an email maybe uh, we'll do an ad for you it's actually a smart move we've got a lot of listeners at that high school yeah and I'm, I actually am impressed with Daniel for being on both soccer teams because he doesn't really even need to be on B team, but he does it to help the team. He boosts that morale. He's a solid guy, and he didn't even pay us extra to say this, but I'm glad I know him. Well, because he made a personal call and thanked each of us for allowing him to put his ad on because, I mean, if I could vote, I would. He's so cool. Anywho. Next movie. You guys ready to do another movie? You got it. <clears throat> All right. Yes. Um, okay, back to it. This week, we also reviewed a movie called She Flies, directed by Manny Altis. This 2006 biopic explores the story of a lesser-known Olympian, Sandy Shepton, the world's only medal-winning obese downhill uh, skier. And I found this story to be not only enheartening, but uh, but really a lot... Um, very inspirational. I found this story to be very inspirational as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just follows basically this uh, Olympic athlete. She is uh, overweight, and she gets, you know, a lot of criticism for it. Uh, but she ends up winning a gold medal and kind of shoving it in everyone's face. Her coach is incredibly supportive. And, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting film. It's a good film, good uplifting uh, sports film. Yeah, I will say the story itself was inspirational. I mean, if I could have this movie as a poster on my wall as something to wake up to, I think I would. It's that inspiring. However, the film itself I don't think was particularly well made. I don't think they really confi- conveyed the struggle that she probably occurred throughout her daily life as much as they really should have. They really emphasized on the fact that after she won how uh, how happy she was. So mm-hmm. A little lopsided yeah. in, I think, the way that they tell- told the story, although I still find it extremely inspirational, of course, but it was more of the after the fact sort of thing sure a lot of the the celebration of overcoming uh the hardships in a person's life without kind of presenting enough of the hardships not to say that this woman didn't face those things i'm i'm certain that she did and the stuff i read about her in real life is yeah it does definitely sound like she had a really hard road yeah exactly you're right i don't know if the film shows that enough 
Yeah, the film was a little, <laughs> I'd say a little tongue-in-cheek at times, sort of poking fun at her uh, condition, I guess you could say. You know, we got to be really sensitive nowadays, but this was 2006 when people could sort of poke fun at the obese and um, not treat it like the medical condition it really is. So I, there was a lot of music in the film that was sort of goofy, like circus music, showing her with maybe with troubles, having troubles with the ski lift and, and getting skis on and things like that. You know, everybody, when I go skiing, I have troubles with that, and I don't consider myself obese. I'm, I'm overweight. I'm a big boy, but um, I have troubles with that, and a lot of people do. So uh, I don't think they really needed to put in the, the, girfy, the goofy... Benny uh, Hill circus music, music. Yeah, yeah, that silly Benny Hill music. Yeah, exactly. To be fair, she's she's not that that overweight. Even you know, she's technically obese. That's like she is, um, you know, medically diagnosed as obese. But she's not that bad. I, I guess what I'm getting at maybe is, I don't know, two sides because I understand how from in, in inside an individual criticism it is really hard. My point, okay, where I'm getting at with this is it seems like sometimes these biopics these days are pulling from less good material. You know, we had Hidden Figures last year. That was a great film about the uh, African-American women that worked for NASA and, and that kind of stuff. There there are still stories to be told, but sometimes it feels like they're scraping the bottom of a barrel for something that is heartfelt and, and uh, I don't know gut-wrenching when it's when it's maybe not as as severe again i think sandy's an amazing athlete and watching her videos you can see videos on youtube of her she is an incredible skier and yeah she sure does fly she is very fast and she deserves that medal but i don't know i don't know if you guys agree or not uh i think well I, i'm not sure i th- i definitely think this is a story that sh- needed to be told and um as far as her skiing goes i think i mean the the story explains it Part of her eating regimen and part of her weight was about it's pure physics. Adding mass to an object falling down a hill makes it uh, gives it a higher terminal velocity. So she bombs, you know, she can really bomb down those hills. And as long as she has the leg strength to hold it up, um, she's going to be really flying down those hills a lot faster than the skinnier skiers. Mm. You guys ready to review this thing? Definitely. Yeah, Brandon, any any final thoughts on She Flies? (laughs) Like I said, super inspirational. I just don't think I can appreciate the filmmaking of itself. I mean, it was fine. I think if you're feeling in the dumps or if you need a little motivation, so you have a big meeting tomorrow, so you have a long day at work, you know, watch this. A little pick-me-up? Yeah, a little pick-me-up. It's like the Rocky training montage. Okay. Well, let's review it. Uh, all right. Well, I believe, like I said, uh, this is this is tough because, again, I don't want to take away from anyone's individual struggle. And, and so everyone's story is important and and even different perspective. OK, yeah, I'm going to I am going to give it a two. It It is a film. I don't know if it needed to be told, but telling any story like this helps definitely. And if you know, yes, it helps the world. I give this movie a two. Um. Sandy Sandy Shempton is out living her life in Salt Lake City, Utah. She's got a family. She's perfectly fine and happy. I guess she cut she lost some of the weight, but she kind of likes being a bigger size. And so good on her. You know, she's healthy. She stays in the gym. She just likes that size for her skiing speed. So um, good on her. And as far as the filmmaking goes, it's a little wacky. It was a little unorthodox. And for that, I have to give it some. Um, <clears throat> give it some marks off, so I give it a one. 
Yeah. Okay, so I definitely think the inspirational aspects of this film are great. Like I said, I will be watching it if I get depressed ever in the future. But as a movie, not so much. So I'm going to give this one point as well. One point for me. Wow. Okay. So that's four points. Four puffs on the old balloon. Here we go. Four. Where are we at? How big is it now? It's getting pretty big. I don't know. It's probably about 20 inches. No. Uh Uh-oh. That's insane. Yeah, those were big those were big blows. So Are you just gonna keep going if it pops or what? I think so. I think you just got I'm prepared for it. I'm prepared for nipple. it. Yeah. I, I gotta go to work today, so if I have to go to work with some kind of facial lesion, that's the pr- that's the price I pay. True. Alright, let's cake it to a sponsor. Cake it. Only six days left on the new classic five hat promotion. All for the price of two hats, we send you five. You keep three and send back two, all for the price of two hats. Use promo code REVIEW3 at checkout, fourhats.com. Finally, hats made simple. You know what time that is, guys. Another time for me to be excited because we saw a movie together. We saw Pizza Jammers. This one is actually from 1994. Um... We actually saw this. It comes bundled in this new VCR classic. We might have a promo- promotion for this week or maybe next week. But basically, it's a VCR-type device with built-in movies. This one came on it, so we thought, hey, let's review this film. 1994, I honestly don't remember it when it came out. But uh, it's kind of like a crime-fighting Ninja Turtles sort of thing. They're in a city. The city has a lot of crime. Who better to stop the crime than the pizza jammers? What did you guys think? Uh, I love this film. It was it was interesting to jump back into because I I missed this film when it first came out. I know it was a big deal and lots of people saw it, and it's kind of silly that I didn't see it because I was more of a Ninja Turtles guy, and it really seemed like a Coke Coke Pepsi division that happened in the '90s. You were either a pizza jammer person or you were a, a Ninja Turtle person. So I I just never really watched these films. Uh, I think there's two of them. I think there's a sequel to this one, but. Uh, so I never for sure saw this one, and I was delighted with the Pizza Jammers. It's super fun. They are a lot of them are ex pizza delivery boys. The the police hire them because delivery boys know the city better than anyone, or they know like the nooks and crannies the, better than the cops. Even they create all kinds of pizza weapons and stuff. It's wonderful. Lots of pizza pranks and traps and stuff like that. So really right up my alley. And especially, man, if I'd seen this as a kid, I might have been a pizza jammer kid instead. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to change things because it's nice now to have this this new thing that I can start exploring. As someone who's lactose intolerant, those pizza weapons were terrifying. I bet. Yeah. This movie was a total ripoff. It felt um, very commercialized felt uh like just a big money grab i think i do remember the pizza jammers toys at little caesars oh yeah they had a huge promotion cross promotion for years synergy the toys were cheap and i think um i think i remember stepping on those really hurting myself when i was a kid maybe just bad memories as a kid with the pizza jammer toys not knowing what they were because the, the movie never got a real solid release and uh, it was a total ripoff. I, I thought the action was a little forced. Uh, 
and the product placement of all the Little Caesars pizza, it just took me out of the fun that Ninja Turtles really provided, you know? But that being said, uh, very creative with some of the Pizza Jammers crime fighting techniques and kills, I guess. They didn't really address whether or not the criminals got killed, but it seems Some of those like, traps were deadly. They yeah. had. They, I don't think they killed anyone because it's a PG film, but there's no way those people wouldn't have died, you know, suffocating in cheeses and stuff. Yeah, getting getting the truckload of cheese hot, melted cheese dumped on them, getting trapped in an oven, and then they just split. They just the guy gets trapped in the oven. They leave the pizza place to go chase down the final boss, and yeah. they leave that hockey stick locking the front door shut. Again, these are all things that they don't they don't showcase this, but any intelligent person is like, mm. I mean, same thing in Home Alone. There was a couple of the things they did in Home Alone that were probably deadly to those people. You know, it's a cartoon, I guess. It's live action, but it's kind of a cartoon. You cannot tie a guy into a garlic knot and assume he's still alive at the end of it. No, but again, cartoon, in a cartoon, he would be. And I think this film, like a lot of those films from back in the day, and, you know, and, and still films, uh, they're, they're cartoony. They take the world a little less seriously you know obviously well and you know, they, the, and they dipped him in the garlic butter vat too yeah now i mentioned big... i mentioned earlier that we watched this on the vcr classic device that has hdmi output so this is the highest resolution anybody's been able to see this film did that detract at all being able to see the strings and the um you know the old school? i still liked master pizza he's the 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 bad guy and is named master pizza and yeah there's a lot of you can really tell it's a puppet and especially the more high def it is i think it's probably a little more obvious but Again, that's a film from 1994, guys. Got to give it some credit. And and sure, maybe was a cash grab or whatever, but I'd say almost every film these days is. So if anything, I, I was I was desensitized to it being a blockbuster and attempt to be one. But I guess that's true. When you're entertaining kids, you're trying to just get meat in the seats and sell toys. So as far as that goes, I don't see. I don't see any problems with this movie as a, you know, as a financial venture, as an artistic exploration. I think they could have been more creative. Why'd they name their their head villain Master Pizza? Isn't he against... Because he was part pizza. It's He's like a half I know, but man, shouldn't he you know? be against pizza since the pizza jammers are so pizza, pro-pizza, so pizza enthusiastic? I guess so, but I mean, he was he's, he's a bad pizza, guy. He was stealing guy. from the city or whatever. So wouldn't it make sense for the Pizza Jammers and Master Pizza to be on the same team? Sure, but Pizza Master Pizza was clearly a bad guy. So it's morals, you know. That's like saying just because you're a human, you should be friends with all the humans. You know, there's different kinds of humans that fight. There's different kinds of pizzas that don't. Yeah, get along. I know. I know. Well, can we just agree that it was lazy writing? Sure. Well, and to be fair, Master Pizza was angry at them for, um, you know, treating pizzas so poorly, for throwing pizzas at people and for tying people in pizzas and, and stuff like that. So, you know, he was standing up for kind of pizza rights because none of the pizza jammers are pizza at all. That's but true. But he's half They're just pizza enthusiasts. Luke, I hope this doesn't, you know, change your review in any hopes, but I actually read the manga version of the sequel, and they do team up. So I know this doesn't make this film better, but in some universe, they do team up, so they are on the Is same side. Is that where they go after the, the space baddies? Yeah, Space Spilmoni, Captain Spilmoni in space, yeah. Yeah, Captain Spilmoni, which is actually, that's like a calzone without sauce, right? Uh, Spilmoni is like a Italian ice cream. It's kind of like Neapolitan. Uh, but what am I thinking of? Stromboli? Stromboli. Stromboli, yeah. Okay. 
<clears throat> well, um, it was a total ripoff of the Ninja Turtles. It was poorly written with plot holes, but who cares? It's for kids. And the toys were bad, and it had a bad release. But I did have a great time on Skype watching this with you guys over our VCR Classic system, which I think, I don't know if we have an ad for that this week, but we're definitely going to be sort of revealing the, that VCR Classic system in the future on 1-2 Review. Are we ready to review this movie? Any other thoughts, Alex? Um, no, I'm ready to review the thing. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to give Pizza Jammers a solid two. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I don't think it was a ripoff of Ninja Turtles. I think this is a situation of Volcano and Dante's Peak and what was the two asteroid movies? We had uh, Armageddon and... Soul? S-O-L? Yeah, that one yeah, came out Soul. saying, you know, we we have these times when, you know, Twister and Tornado or whatever came out at the same time. Like, like films, you know, are created at the same time. And I, I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think Pizza Jammers came out the same year. So it's not as though they saw Ninja Turtles and then parodied it. I think these were, these were two things that were launching at the same time. And like I said, it, it was going to be one or the other. And I think if Pizza Jammers had caught on, I think you and I would be reviewing Ninja Turtles, the lesser-known VHS movie today. And we'd probably be criticizing it, saying it's a lesser Pizza Jammers. So I think this was just this was just the other child that didn't kind of make it into the limelight. And so I'm, I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, it was all those crappy things about movies from that time, but, but so are all the things I love from that time. So, yeah, a two for me. Um. Pizza Jammers, Pizza Jammers, you guys already know what I think about this. It's uh, poorly written, it's a rip-off, and uh, it's it's just one big product placement for Pizza Pizza. So it gets a one from me on all terms. Just It just gets a one from me. Okay, well, for me, I'm going to give this a one. I, I have nightmares. Being lactose intolerant, like I said, seeing people drowning in cheese and getting parmesan encrusted is just terrifying butter uh, sauce yeah, butter sauce it's it was just too much um so definitely one point for me all right four for the balloon all right guys four more uh, blows from the balloon That's four. I don't know why I'm coughing. I don't smoke. How big is it? It's huge. It's huge. It's like 30 inches now. Oh, boy. It's feeling really tight, and uh, it might pop any second. And that's what, 14? 14 blows in there, I think? 14 blows, yeah. Okay. Also, there's a gentleman who just begun sanding a table outside my apartment, so... That's cool. Yeah. Heads up. Sorry, guys. Today's one to review is brought to you by the VCR Classic. The VCR Classic is a sleekly designed remote controlled VCR with a preloaded package of 17 VHS tapes built in. The VCR Classic allows you to relive the experience of adjusting tracking, rewinding a scene, or fast forwarding through trailers and promotions. The VCR Classic is easy and affordable at only $79.99 and it comes fully loaded with 19 classic VHS hits 
including Breakfast Club, Crumble Dough, Titanic, Tramp Stamp, Biodome, The Little Mermaid, Chispin Gun, Jurassic Park, Milo and Otis Tremors, The Domino Effect, GoldenEye, Pizza Jammers, The Black Hand of Count Andretti, Gremlins 2, Heathers, and Gout, plus two more films. Find out more at vcrclassic.com or just click on the link below. VCR Classic. Alex, did you see this? Hell yeah. Okay, this week we had a chance to watch 2011 film Finders Keepers, directed by Karen Christensen. And uh, the plot goes as follows. It's an ex-military agent stumbles across one of the Earth's most valuable and hidden secrets. And a young Boy Scout is the only one who knows the truth. That's the tagline for the movie. Um, first impressions, anybody? Yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed this film. So many good actors in this. So many good actors. You've got Reginald Gore in there, Arthur Torres, Jessica Wolverton, Meredith Gonzalez, Helen Wood. Like All these people playing kind of bit parts, too. Parts that I would say are smaller and kind of below them. Well, this did come out in 2011, so a lot of these stars hadn't really reached their prime at that point. But I mean, like Robert Blazingame, that guy was huge at the time, and he plays just the gas station guy. Um, yeah, I don't ever would know what ever happened to him. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think I just I I you know, and it's crazy. I didn't see this movie. And apparently, uh, Karen Christensen, the director, she she's been around in in Hollywood for years, and so she's good friends with all of these actors from the the various work she's done so that's she was able to like not even call in favors like that that makes it sound like they did it against their will but these people were so happy to play these smaller parts and in an interview with jonathan slack who played i think he was the car dealership guy he he said that he loved going back to a one-line part that you know that's how he started his acting career and 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 doing all these lead roles and stuff is is fun and that's what he wants to do but sometimes he said it's really fun to just go back and play these small parts and so i just think the acting power behind this film was like staggering yeah definitely when you have that big of a cast of stars everyone's sort of relaxed and there's no big egos on the line everyone's just sort of there for a jam sesh so uh, definitely showed through in the acting a little bit a little slapsticky but to see all those big name actors just having fun that was a lot of fun for me and roadkill made a cameo too i don't know if you guys noticed roadkill actually in prison in this film when they had to uh and he's just an extra he doesn't have any lines he's in the background and so like again that's like having these big characters just pepper your world is is a is a really cool move it was cool to see that kind of universe building i know it's kind of common nowadays with the marvel universe and everything but back then to see roadkill come into this movie and other characters from other i believe there's even a crumble dough uh guest spot Uh, i missed it but my friend told me in the background you could see some crumbles um so yeah it was cool it was way ahead of its time for 2011 i think yeah a lot of cameos. Well, let's get into the movie itself. It follows this ex-military agent who stumbles across a massive secret. And should we spoil it? I think I want to spoil it. Spoiler alert. The massive secret is actually a form of alchemy that's written on these stones under deep underground. He's supposed to be investigating an Iraqi insurgent force when he falls down a deep crevasse and stumbles upon a way to turn plastic or rubberized petroleum into food with just a simple spray made from a couple uh, household ingredients. <clears throat> so he escapes with the help of a Boy Scout 
who's in the area. Um, they don't do a great job explaining that, but I think it's a uh, a Boy Scout military reach out thing where they're teaching young Boy Scouts how to live in Iraqi deserts. I think they did this back in uh, 1998. That was an actual program when um, relations were a little bit better. Anyway, uh, so he comes out and then um, there's this big secret and they are now on the wrong side of the U.S. government when the government finds out what they have and they're trying to get it from them. Potentially a world-changing, a world-ending secret. Now, we should say the Boy Scout is also played by Michael Michael Sarah. That's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah, He did a great job portraying a very sheepish, standoffish, scared Boy Scout. You know, a little unsure of himself. Yeah, so all said and done, it was an enjoyable action, kind of like National Treasure movie with a bunch of cameos. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was enjoyable. Is there anything else you guys want to say? What did you guys think about eating all the plastic? Was that humorous at all to you? Yeah, that was gross and hilarious. But I think the props team did that on purpose, sort of to make it a little outlandish, to really hit home the idea, if that was actually a viable thing, hit home the idea of how... um, how many things you could you could be eating you could be eating your pc speaker you could be eating you know plastic bag floating by on the sidewalk whatever comes around all of a sudden becomes edible with the uh, spray so wild stuff there for sure um uh yeah 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 i mean I, I just don't have much more to say again i think just the 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 acting was the thing that really drew me into this film and, and kept me present so they, they really could do no wrong uh at some point in this film once i was on board yeah, definitely plot-wise, it's sort of the plot and the writing sort of took a backseat to just the star-studded cast. So after a while, like like Alex says, it didn't really even matter what they were doing with the story. Just to see all these stars on screen was awesome. Yeah, highly enjoyable. Um, for me, it's going to definitely get two points. I mean, I don't even care what the movie was. Just seeing all these people, knowing this was all before they were huge stars... Um, underrated classic, definitely a true gem. Two points for me. Yeah, you guys already know how I feel about this one. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Finders Keepers gets two points from me too. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give this film a two. I mean, I couldn't speak any higher of Arthur Torres. He plays the lead in it, and he is just incredible. Uh, and his work with Michael Cera is uh, great as well. And then again, Jonathan Slack knocks it out. I mean, they all do. So yeah, definitely a two for me. All right, so that's uh, six blows on the balloon. Six, six blows. Points. All right, guys, pray for me. I hope I don't get blown up in the face here. I hope, I hope not. It's huge. It's huge? Yeah, Thanks. that's awesome. Well, that was a successful episode. Oh, no, it happened. <laughs> it popped. It really scared the dog, too. Um, yeah, that was a successful episode. Thanks for putting up with the balloon exploding there. Jeez, that was pretty scary. Great job, guys. I really enjoyed all these movies this week. Next week, what movies are we looking forward to? All right, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be reviewing Mark 
Craxis, Lifehack the Farmer, I Named My Dog Dawn. Check those films out so you can be on board with us when we review them next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.